welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we review and discuss movies, trailers, TV shows, and everything else pop culture. In today's conversation, we'll be sharing our thoughts on the newest episode of the Disney Plus original series, Ahsoka. My name is Ivan, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and winner of the 2006 Danimals Kids sweepstakes, Emmett. Allegedly. Did anyone actually win that contest, or was that just a ripoff by the sweet life of Zach and <laughs> I'm glad you immediately got. That. Oh yeah, no, that's that's a crime of our childhood. I I don't think I've I did some research on this a couple of weeks ago, and I could not find any proof that somebody actually won that competition. So I think it was all like a, a rigged thing. Freaking Maybe it's because I don't watch like Cartoon Network and that stuff anymore. But like, well, they were Disney I, kids. Well, yeah, They're but right. like they would like air those commercials all around. Well, sure. They're not marketing idiots. Do they even make the animals anymore? Does that still a thing? They I know Gogurt is. Right? Ooh, Gogurt. The idea of it in a tube when it starts to warm up, that just scared me. Dude, frozen Gogurts. Incredible. Frogurts? Yeah, Frogurts. If you put the tubes in the freezer, you ever had one of those? <laughs> no, we weren't a uh, creative yogurt family. We were like, the most creative we got was that like, oreo one that had the second plastic oh, lid yeah that you could then dump into the that was incredible and the m&m one of that oh my goodness oh my god See, but like the tricks yogurt them. never got the animals gogurt none of that See, I never got the Danimals like crush cup thing that used to be like the thing that they would push everywhere but I did get Danimals I did have tricks yogurt as a kid I know Trix oh, Yogurt's still around just because I, I bought one recently. <laughs> Jeez. We used, to, we used to be a really creative world with how much plastic we would use for simple things like yogurt delivery. <laughs> it was also a good reflection of the high rate of childhood obesity in America. <laughs> the early I mean, this was just sugar. Yeah. Like, and milk. Yeah, this was... That's a ripoff, though, man. Yeah, I mean, it definitely wasn't, like, good good for you, or nor did it taste all that well. But I mean, the sweepstakes, that, that was a ripoff. Oh, well, yeah, but it was all to push that promotion. That you know, somebody, sweet, sweet somebody should ask the Sprouse Twins who they hung out with in 2006 <laughs> from that era, because they were in every single commercial, if I recall. They cashed in, and they did it right. They, sh- I mean, it doesn't seem like they turned out bad i mean i don't know maybe i missed the controversy here I don't, and there, but i don't keep up with the sprawls no <laughs> nor do i i'm just saying like i haven't come across <laughs> anything in my like social media feed i would love like a true life like where are they now remember we'll those call it the, the, the true life of zach and cody whoa <laughs> there you go <laughs> yeah i would love like all the old disney channel stars and like the disney channel movie kids i would love to just where are the spy kids now? What are they up to? <laughs> Dude, the spy kids went on like a very different trail. I, I, at least according to like Watch Mojo, I think. Oh, Watch Mojo. Sure. Do you I remember did. how star studded the, the spy kids 3D movie was? Oh yeah. Elijah Woods. <laughs> they were it was stacked. Stallone, <laughs> Antonio Banderas. I mean, come on. Was Stallone in that one? What? Who did he play? I don't know. The same role he always plays. That Andy was the same Trejo one. was in there. 
Did, did you see that in theaters? No, I wasn't really a Spy Kids guy. I don't think I, I was, saw it in theaters either. <laughs> when but... I was 10 years old. <laughs> Prime demographic. <laughs> I, I, I think I was in that demographic, but I just didn't have interest. I did see the first Spy Kids movie in theaters, I think. I, I, I remember one, like my aunt or something taking us. So that one I, I know for sure. The other two, I don't think we ever did see. What was your most memorable like child, like 10-ish or maybe even younger big movie in theaters? Um, Probably Attack of the Clones. You are right there with me. I'm just a little bit later than you. Revenge, Revenge of the Sith. Sith was like the biggest. I just remember like me and my friends going, my dad taking us, and we were just like so hyped. It was like I have I feel like I have fond memories of all three of those films. Like 1999 was yeah. like the brief period of time we had here in the States. My dad went to go take us, me and my brother. And since he was working like long nights, it, <laughs> he was like snoring up a storm. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, while. parents could not make it through these movies. <laughs> no. I went but, to Harry Potter, like the I think it was Prisoner of Azkaban, like arguably one of the best of the Harry Potter trilogies. And my brother fell asleep during it. I was like, Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, right that's, when Voldemort shows up. <laughs> In every movie. I remember arriving late to Attack of the Clones. Um, yeah, we, we we got there right around when the failed assassination on Padme in her oh, apartment. That's a tough one. Yeah. yeah. I always wondered, Thank- I was like, what happened? Why, why Thankfully it was failed. Thankfully. A, mov- a movie without Natalie Portman? Come on. I know, for real. What are we doing? <laughs> but, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, other than that. Let's let, let, let's get onto our our walls real quick. Do you have anything? Um, did we talk about this on air last week, or it might have been off air? Dungeons and Dragons. Um, I think you had asked me if I'd seen it, but I don't think we got beyond that. Did you did yeah. you catch it? now? I finally watched it. It's free on Prime right now. Nice. And it is one of the top tier, like board game to movie. <laughs> that genre i think you i think those were your words last week and like it absolutely is it's like i've never played dungeons and dragons but i can even tell like they're just creating these different satires of each of their actors are like a person who shows up to the game who's like i'm only interested in the story if i'm the one telling it or like i just want to be the person who like rolls big numbers and gets hits like on opponents like it was really fun to watch like telling a Dungeons and Dragons story within like acting out the story. Yeah, it was. It, it didn't take it so seriously. It was very lighthearted. It's it's this and Battleship for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm kidding. Battleship is like very, so very bad. This. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like Pine's great in it. Um, and it was still like at the end of the day, like board game aside or not, like still actually a really good movie. Like a, a classic, like puzzle whodunit type of thing. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bummed that. Well, I think there's still a shot for a sequel, but I don't think it performed really well this year. But I think they released it 
during a time when like and we talked about this before but like this summer was overstuffed with movies i mean yeah you can't have barbie and oppenheimer on the same weekend and it, it works that though. people still have money to go to a movie like dungeons and dragons well it dropped in the same month that indiana jones dropped the flash dropped i'm forgetting two other movies into the spider oh, across the spider verse into across in between across across the in across the into between the spider verse yeah through um, throughout but it was like one after the other every single weekend yeah and like it, it didn't have a chance to to compete honestly yeah but definitely sure. worth a watch i absolutely say go for it i mean it, it makes me want to play you know around the dungeons and dragons but like none of my friends got into it either and i feel like I've heard that you need like somebody or at least like two people who know what they're doing there to like kind of keep everyone on mission as opposed to like, if I was just figuring it out with my friends, we would just be rolling dice all night. (laughs) My friend Mike is super, super into it. Um, (laughs) I think the few times that I played Dungeons and Dragons, I I remember half of the experience and then the other half we were pretty drunk. Yeah. I mean, that's also part of it, right? Game nights at Mike's place back, like right before, right before we worked together, that was the whole thing that, that I used to do. I was like, that was like the, the the peak of my social interactions with anybody. Did um, you ever get into Catan? Through Mike. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. love that game. Yeah. That is such a fun board game. It doesn't beat Cones of Dunshire though, for sure. <laughs> oh, obviously, <laughs> nothing does. <laughs> It, it, I, I did enjoy it though, and and honestly, like I think board games kind of get um, kind of brushed under the rug quite a bit because there, there's a lot. I used to enjoy playing uh, Risk. Risk was oh one my of God. my favorites. Love it. I just played that at a bachelor party. It was like it was a perfect like just chill game to play while you just drink it. Like yeah, that and that fills up time really well. Like I hate to be that guy, that older guy now who's like I'm afraid for this generation, but like. Actually, I, I don't know if kids are playing board games when video games are so advanced right now. No, I don't think they are. I think, well, you know, to be fair, I feel like the video games of today are a million times better than what we had. Yeah. yeah. But still, yeah, I, I, I get what you mean. If like I used to play uh, Pandemic all the time during the pandemic. <laughs> Psycho. <laughs> That's such a good game, too, especially <laughs> when you have at least four people to play with you. I feel like that, that, that it's always a good time. Or even the basic like cards against humanity kind of thing in the group. I feel yeah, like those are great. So fun. Yep. Did we ever do cards against humanity online? I know I have. I don't know if we ever got in a game together though. We I feel like that was like... something we would have snuck in at work. Dude, I wish we had. <laughs> I, I I had done that the place before when I worked at like this like call center esque role yeah. when I was doing cold calling. We would just be playing <laughs> until we were caught. <laughs> <laughs> Until they blocked the site. <laughs> they blocked it, yeah. But <laughs> it was so much fun. Then we did it on our cell phones, which they couldn't do anything about. So Suckers. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, I, I recommend it if you haven't seen it. It's a really good watch. Uh, what about you? What's going on on your wall? I just got two quick things. I um, I have the... Uh, I Apparently news came out this week that uh, the next Star Wars show, Skeleton Crew, which was supposed to be... I think it was originally supposed to come out in November. Is now getting pushed to sometime in 2024. They're not even giving it a date. 
Uh, but that's the one starring Jude Law. The synopsis for it. it it's being directed by um, jo- John Watts, the director of the Spider-Man MCU films. And it's supposed to star Jude Law, who is in charge of taking a group of kids that essentially get lost on some sort of like field trip across the galaxy back back home. Um, I'm not going to lie. The, the premise of it sounds a little, you know, non-traditional Star Wars. At the same time, it piques my interest because it's John Watts. They're promising for it to be a little bit like, um, you know, a little bit like the the, the old um, 80s films, that we, the coming of age films, but set in the Star Wars universe. Um and I guess they kind of set up the villains for them in Mando season three with those pirates. So I, I was interested to see. Um, but at the same time, I kind of get that there's tre- stretching things along now that the strike is here and impeding anybody from creating newer content. Uh, but yeah, I'm a little bummed just because I feel like a lot of the stuff that I'm, we're super into is probably going to, you know, we're going to be waiting quite a while before we get new content for it. Yeah, that, that one did sound pretty interesting to me, at least. I mean, I mean, you, you put Jude Law in anything, and I'll watch it. Yeah, I mean, he was a saving grace for the Fantastic Beast franchise, to be honest. Gangster Dumbledore, yeah, yeah, very cool. Like his fit was immaculate. I don't know what happens to his taste afterwards. It's like <laughs> I know you're a wizard. You'd have to when did you start it. dressing in robes? Yeah, <laughs> you went from a three-piece suit. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, what what's your uh, second thing you said? New York Comic Con's right around the corner. Oh, what this I, guy again, dude! <laughs> I am psyched for New York Comic Con. How many Comic Cons are there in New York? Because I feel like this happens more than once a year. No, it's once a year. That's it. Then why do you talk about it so much? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I feel like you're always like hounding me, like, dude, you want to get Sunday tickets or Saturday tickets? <laughs> I hounded you once. <laughs> Although I just have like no interest in going to a comic con. It's just like so many people. I don't read comic books, but you and McGregor was there, so then that's a toss up. It's barely about comic books, to be honest with you. I feel like most people brush over the comic portion of the paper, death the books, right? (laughs) Like no. (laughs) Although Artist Alley is always fun to go to. So what's the update on it? It's uh, it's coming up. There's a lot of like Star Wars guests popping up, but um. You know, Ewan McGregor obviously was one of the headliners along with Chris Evans. But it sounds like we're getting Mary Elizabeth Winstead, which I guess makes sense because she's married to Ewan McGregor and she's playing Hera. But one thing that I'm kind of bummed about that I just kind of want to express my my thoughts here real quick. With Ahsoka being hitting its peak and all that, I would think Rosario Dawson would be showing up, especially because she lives out here, I think, in Jersey. So what gives? Where is, is she, she not? No, she's not showing up, which is kind do of. Do they ever do like surprise appearances? Well, I mean, there's still time for that to happen. There, there was there. There's usually at least one surprise appearance here and there. Like I think last year, forget who. It was the cast of a big movie that that they ended up premiering. At the panel where they were supposed to just talk about behind the scenes stuff. Was it Suicide Squad? No, but that that did happen when I feel Suicide like I Squad you was out. About that, yeah. Yeah, that was the closest I ever got to Margot. They didn't let me hop online. They're like, no, not this guy. <laughs> no, you, you can't talk to Barbie. Sorry. <laughs> I tried, though. I was like the second to last person. <laughs> they, 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 they let him in. And then I'm like, wait, what about me? They're like, no, 
Not Damn. you. I was like, wow, okay. We, they cut the line at you? Right at me. <laughs> <laughs> what? How did you feel about that? Like, did you feel profiled or just like you weren't good enough? Oh, no, I definitely was one of the two. That, that, that's, what, that's what it was. They were probably like, this guy's eyeing Margot too, too much. <laughs> it's a safety away. thing at this point. <laughs> Although the, the other dude in front of me was dressed as Harley Quinn and he was like, let in. So oh. I don't know. Just have to cross dress to see you. Margo, you know, I guess. I'm going prepared this year, just in case. You know, <laughs> I, I'll have my Barbie fit just in case. <laughs> I'll be like, no, you don't understand, sir. I am a diehard Barbie. You fan. should be like the Ahsoka Barbie. So like dressed like Barbie, but with the head thing. Oh, just in case it's a Rosario surprise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're getting both there. There you go. Montrails with the, or, or headtails, whatever they call it, with the, with the Barbie fit. Damn, that would be. Fire. Yeah, I think it would. Nobody else would have it. But anyway, enough. Enough of this talk. <laughs> Let's get on to the episode, man. Fallen Jedi. Dude, I cried. This episode made me tear up emotionally. Wow, really? No, not really. But but I mean, like... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what part would get you, but okay. <laughs> no, but there were good, like, moments throughout this. I felt like this was an action-packed one. And before we get into this one specifically, like, I've been kind of, like, testing the temperature with some of my friends on how they're feeling about the show. And neither of my friends that I talked to have watched Rebels. One said that this show was like too slow or confusing. And the other was like, yeah, I had to just do a deep dive on like who is Thrawn and Ezra because they're throwing these names around. I was like, oh, shoot. I guess the I guess Rebels really was more required reading than I had given it credit for. Like I figured maybe just the last episode of seeing like Ezra make his sacrifice. But I, I guess it really impacts like how much you enjoy the show entirely. I'm getting that feeling too. I think I brought it up the, the last time we spoke where I was like, I like it, but I feel like there's, there's a, there's a bit of a price to admission. Yeah. And like I, my test of the water is always like, talking to my sister-in-law because she, she'll like get into this stuff my brother's a, my brother's big into star wars too so he'll, he's like a diehard um but she she's gotten recently into a lot of this stuff especially since like my niece is tending to really like the animation so they'll they'll like watch it together so they recently saw rebels but one of the things that she was telling me she's like i'm glad i saw it because had i not i would be super confused and lost and I mean, it's it's hard to separate, though. Like, once you've seen something and, you know, like, I feel like for us, we kind of have a little bit of a niche perspective because we've probably seen more Star Wars than the average person, <laughs> you know? Um, so I didn't really pick up on it too much until I started hearing it about from other people, too. Yeah, I, yeah. It's upsetting that it is going to be impact a lot of people's opinions because for me i personally am absolutely loving this show (laughs) like and this episode especially like the pacing was like excellent there's like three major fights within this um it almost had the feeling of like this was a season finale it kind of has that cliffhanger level of 
you know, enough has happened in these past four episodes where it kind of feels like a full journey of sorts. And then they've cut it here. So I'm really excited to see what they do with like the, with the second half of this season. Something big is happening in the next episode. And I only speculate this because, and I don't know if you got this, because like I, I got it through a Disney Plus email. But apparently the next episode is being shown this Friday in theaters across the country in select theaters. And by select, I literally mean like one theater per metro market. <laughs> yeah. And they did this like fan event. And I tried to get tickets. I could not. I was completely. It was completely like sold out by the time I clicked on the link. Yeah. Um, I bet. But they're making it a big deal. And like every time Star Wars has done that, because they did it with like the Darth Maul and Savage episodes back in the Clone Wars days. They did it for like the first two episodes of Mando. And I forget what other. No, I think the finale for Mando season two. They also did it. So like sometimes it indicates like something big's about to happen. Um, I'm not gonna like speculate on what that means or anything like that. I just thought it was worth noting that I think they're very conscious of the fact that like this is like prime fan view, like this is for the fans, and it almost it's almost like the anti Andor in many ways because like I don't know about you, but like most <laughs> of the most of the non Star Wars folks that I spoke to really really enjoyed Andor. They're like, yeah, why isn't Star Wars more like this? And I think that the thing is, like, it's it's two different perspectives in the same universe. Whereas Andor, the Star Wars lore, is just the backdrop. And in Ahsoka, it's, like, right at the forefront of it. So, like, if you're not into that kind of thing, mm. you're not going to be interested. Because it's, you know, you're you're basically, like I said, it's, it's like, required reading. But Yeah, that's an interesting point. Because that friend who said that this is kind of going slow loved Andor and kept telling me to watch it. And I'm like... When, once I finally did, I was like, I, it took me four different attempts to be like, to sit down and be like, all right, I'm just going to watch this because everyone's saying it's so good. And it didn't get good until like six or five or whatever it was. Like, that was really hard watching because I'm so used to like these new plot lines. Whereas, you know, the other friend is mostly like the original trilogy is, you know, top tier, then the sequel or the prequel, sorry, and then the sequel. So, like, for them, you're right. It's absolutely like Andor's just kind of building on that lore that they're you that you know the original trilogy fans are used to. Whereas Ahsoka is like, hey, you put in a lot of time with Clone Wars and Rebels, and now you're gonna get rewarded with a live action version of that. It's an interesting like thing to see because I feel like like I'm I I loved Andor for a very different reason than I would love anything else, and I think that. I would love it even more if it wasn't a Star Wars show, because I feel like then it, I take a lot of that heft out of it um, and I'm able to enjoy it for what it is. I think Andor is still the best performances we've ever seen in anything Star Wars related. But again, it's like I'm not like sometimes I'll tune into Star Wars for the myth of it. I don't tune into Star Wars for like groundbreaking performances i feel like all of that stuff has its place but to me um there's something about the mythology behind star wars that's the thing that piques my interest whereas like other people love the like political stuff which is why like i feel game of thrones was so popular because it like you know they they touched on a lot of politics and stuff like that and that's and that's great but i feel like that's why some people kind of separate from 
from certain aspects of, of shows. I, I do like that Star Wars is going to several different territories of it because it feels like, you know, everybody kind of has something they can choose from. All right, so that's our dissertation piece of this. Did you have any other general thoughts before we go into breaking down Fallen Jedi? Uh, no, no, not uh, no. That 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 about sums up my general thoughts there. <laughs> yeah, so let's get into this. Uh, let's start talking about the plot points. So this kind of begins. Uh, obviously, they're they're working on trying to fix their ship, but nothing really exciting there until um, Ahsoka and Sabine kind of help uh i keep forgetting this droid oh, yeah. yeah help him out and which he puts up a pretty good fight against the droids as well he threw hands there with that droid <laughs> but then started screaming help like a little baby <laughs> <laughs> how did he survive wow. the five thousand years that he was alive supposedly he's he's old just by screaming help <laughs> all the time there's always a jedi close by <laughs> danger <laughs> um but yeah like the, to start off this episode with that like that's an intense like quick action sequence and you kind of see them working to uh, ahsoka and sabine working together and obviously the foreshadowing within that when they're leaving where hu yang says stick stick together you guys work together you work better when you're working as a unit and then they you know, brush it off and jokingly say, all right, we will. And then immediately abandon that, like, <laughs> within the next scene, um, which is probably where we should jump off talking about with Ahsoka and Sabine confronting Merrick and Shin. Yeah, I, the, the whole Master and Apprentice thing comes to a head here. I feel like they, they kind of close that little loop there with an actual confrontation. <laughs> um, I My favorite moment of this bit I, well, there's two, but I feel like the, the my favorite moment is the fake out Sabine gives Shin, where <laughs> tries to use the force on her. Yeah, but like clearly it was like a a ploy for her to use her darts and get her distracted. Did she actually impact her though? Because they make the force sound and Shin kind of like moves her arm, but it, it's one of those ones where it's like that was the biggest push you had in your arsenal. I felt like it was a fake out the whole time, even though like Shin still flinched for it. Because then she I, follows it up with that you have no power line. Yeah, I think Sabine try. I think she genuinely tried to force push her, like out of instinct, but then had a backup plan for when that didn't work. Like was able to adapt, which I agree that was probably the best part of that fight. I just love when they mix up the the Mando and Jedi skills there because it's like it looked, like why not use both? Like compensate yeah. for not being able to use the force with that. But where are those blaster shots going? Like, if they're all getting deflected, and Sabine put a lot of shots out there, why are none getting de- deflected back at her? Uh, yeah. Shin's not skilled enough. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm also, I'm also a little tired of the whole like, Mandos only ever get struck by lightsabers in their forearms. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it's too often, right? Well, I feel like the, the, the Mando getup is like the counter to the Jedi, right? Like that entire arsenal. So they kind of, I feel like at least they should be trained to confront their arch enemies, the old space wizards. <laughs> you know? Because like, if, if you think about it, they have that like repulsion, propulsion thing that they do out of the gauntlet, like especially in Clone Wars, which is like a count, like the equivalent of their force push. 
you got the little cable, which is the equivalent of force pull. And then the jetpack, obviously, for, you know, the acrobatics and stuff. So I feel like all of the stuff that they have is to exactly for the situation at hand. I guess that's a fair point, but I feel like it just is really convenient as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I Well, you know, that's on the Jedi, too. You got to aim for the slits in the armor. Or go for the legs, which are not covered at all. <laughs> you don't have to go for the forearms and the chest. It's more fun that way. If I can't end. <laughs> <laughs> right? But no, so this was like the rematch that we kind of wanted to see because last time Shin got the better of Sabine. Um, and this is also Sabine with a little bit of training from Ahsoka on the way over here. So she's kind of relearning her skills in this fight. But also Ahsoka versus Merrick. Like, this is not the Ahsoka of Clone Wars. Of or Rebels. Use. Or Rebels, where she's like got all this energy and, and it's usually using like a jump move. This is, you know, Rosario portraying this older Ahsoka who is much more calculated and playing chess in all of these fights where she doesn't make these, you know, sudden movements until she's fully read her opponent. And this is also like callback to any of the Rebels viewers, the Obi Wan Darth Maul fight. Oh, yeah. Right, like this is a clear callback to that, and it was done so well. <laughs> it was done so beautifully. I feel like, um, because it makes sense to me. Like we up to this point, we've been shown in other media that Ahsoka can easily take down Inquisitors. So why would she have any sort of struggle with 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 Marok? Well, she also did like the same, almost the same move on another Inquisitor. I think it was in Rebels, where they did the spinning blade move. And then she kind of like got in between the middle and then like broke the saber in half. So she's got experience against this move, which is like, guys, stop using that move against her. <laughs> the, the helicopter move. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work. But I, I had to rewatch that scene a couple times just to be like, how did she actually get through it? And it's like the like the smallest of movements where the helicopter turns kind of horizontal and she just like does a quick slash and gets back to like her original stance. Yeah, she like sidesteps. Yeah, which is like, and it's funny because like I I don't know why it took me a while until now because she's only using the one saber in these two fights, but right, the, she's the the curve in her blade reminds me of or, or on the hilt reminds me of like the way the samurai used to use their their swords, which is like you don't actually hit blade to blade, you wait for an opportunity and then cut into your enemy, which makes sense because like in the real world, blades would get super dull if you're clashing them against one another constantly. Yeah, and all of her moves are very samurai-like, which we kind of saw with her against Morgan in the Mandalorian series, right? Yeah. Which I, I also the release of that of uh, of that smoke essence out of Marek suit. I guess he was Night Sister yeah, Magic. Yeah, we got to talk about this. Like, I'm okay with it not being Ezra, but shouldn't it be somebody? Like, was this just like a Night Sister kind of magic spell? Yeah, I mean, I take it to be, like, the Savage Press thing, where they, like, enhanced him, you remember? And, like, when, once he died, there was all this, like, green smoke coming out of him. Yeah. I take it to mean, like, they must have gotten the body of an Inquisitor and just enhanced it in some way. Or he literally was whatever species of alien that other Inquisitor was in the Tales of the Jedi thing when 
Ahsoka chops off his head and it just kind of deflates the suit that he was in. Okay, I didn't see that uh, series. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> well, there we go. Now I know Ahsoka beheads somebody. Yeah. That you should watch it. Those are quick watches. They're like 13, 15 minutes. Weren't those like super animated though? No. Like, they looked like a cartoon drawing. No, they're... um. I think you're thinking of uh, the whatever they were doing in Cartoon Network before. Maybe. Like the original Clone Wars... I think you're thinking of Forces of Destiny or something like that. But no, this is Tales of the Jedi. It's it's the Clone Wars animation style on Disney Plus. There's like okay. six or seven episodes, but they're, they're they're really good. There's like one about the fall of Dooku. There's one about the, the three of them focus on Ahsoka at different stages of her life. Were you okay with that outcome of not yeah. getting any identity yes, reveal? I, I think that so. We we kind of talked about this before when we were talking about like Mephisto and stuff, but like I think the Mar- like who is Marok thing was purely a fan led thing. Like this is different than the sequel trilogy, where I feel like the sequel trilogy completely egged us on and like, oh Snoke is this important person and like the Knights of Ren and all this stuff. They deliberately put that there. At no point did the show go out of its way to be like, hey, you got to focus on Marok. He's clearly an important guy. I think everybody else was just like, oh, here's the guy in the cool armor. Who could he be? Yeah. I I personally liked that it was literally nothing. <laughs> you know, it was nobody to, to really pay attention to there. Well, yeah, it does give you the ability to be like, this is a formidable enemy. So when Ahsoka takes him out, we also aren't that invested, like you said, where we've gotten like two or three scenes with Merrick. So you're right. If they do that with like Balon, uh, Balin, I think there might be a little bit more fan uh, rioting or upset like, yeah. attitudes there, where you've given us a fall another like fallen Jedi, right? Who has clearly has some ties with Anakin, but uh, if if they don't deliver on like who he was in his past before getting rid of him, then that might be the one that kind of gets people upset. Yeah, because they're they're kind of like dropping hints of some sort of history between him and Anakin. Yeah. That that fight though to me I feel like they, they do a good job of illustrating Ahsoka kind of going into that fight being like, okay, well I just took out one of you. I'm only going to use one sa- one saber. And then clearly she hasn't met somebody as skilled as this guy for a while. Um I guess since Vader, right, technically. If we're or Maul. back at Rebels and Maul, yeah. But that but yeah, all the past Inquisitors have not been to his level. Yeah, but you notice that like I feel like every time Ahsoka got brought up to Balin, he also had like a little bit of concern on his face, and it could be like this whole like oh well, I don't I don't want to kill her because that's his direct line last last episode. But I also felt like because of Anakin's reputation and then her being his apprentice, he kind of he he like handled this fight with like the appropriate level of. I guess levity. Restraint. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think there was something there where, especially right before his like final blow of knocking her off the cliff, he says like it didn't have to end this way. Like, but you see, you see no other way to handle this. Where he is that, you know, committed to his cause, but he also has that, you know, the old Jedi in him of we don't have to kill people all the time right like 
Just because yeah. they are on the opposite side of us doesn't mean they have to die. Except for those New Republic soldiers. Or the, the younglings. With the other younglings, yeah. <laughs> they were annoying. I, I did like the power, I guess, that the, the, the power scales here. Because I feel like her and Ahsoka and Balan are shown to be pretty evenly matched during the fight. But also, like, the minute that Ahsoka sees that she she assumes Sabine is, is gone because Shin comes back into play, she, like, immediately picks her up, slams her up against one of the one of those walls without any sort of, like, effort. Well, that's the thing, is, like, why not just pick up the orb and just, like, throw it into the ocean <laughs> with the force? Like, I, I don't understand when we pick and choose to use the force and on what. Well, I think that there was some semblance of, even though, like, through dialogue, she tells Sabine beforehand that, like, oh, you got to be prepared to destroy this thing if, if we're not able to secure it. I think there's part of her that still wants to or wanted to preserve it just so that they could go and find Ezra. Um, because that's who Ahsoka's kind of been. I feel like she, she knows well enough that, like, she can't be that way anymore. But, you know, it's it's... She was Anakin's student who constantly went against that kind of flow. And I was always like, no, we could probably figure out a way to save everybody. Um, so that's how that's why I took it that way. I mean, I don't know. It, it could be a different thing. But um, I, I I thought that was... Uh, that's my, my head canon, I guess. <laughs> my explanation for why she didn't just easily force push that thing away. Yeah. But I, I don't know. She's losing the fight, clearly. After grabbing the the map off the pedestal, it burned her hand. And, like, on my on my second watch, I saw, like, when she's using the Force to push her uh, lightsaber, kind of, like, hold it in place, you can see her hand is, like, kind of burning through. So whatever it, that magic was definitely left a mark on her. So she knows, like, they're losing this fight. I'm, and, and especially in that moment before Sabine shows up and she sees Shin there, like I don't know, you have one opportunity to use the Force. I would probably just use it on the, like grab the orb, bring it over to yourself, slice it, or throw it in the ocean. Yeah, yeah, true. It's the heat of battle. <laughs> I'm making conscious decisions. I'm fine. <laughs> I don't even have training. I would be reckless, honestly. <laughs> But but that that matchup between Ahsoka and uh, Balin, I I think for those same points of like how of of what, that I was making for Ahsoka being very like you know patient and reading her opponent, he was doing the exact same thing. There was like a solid minute of the beginning of that fight where neither makes a move at each other. They're just like sidestepping or just like circling each other, and it's very slow. And I'm I was like on the edge of my seat, being like. All right, somebody do something. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's see this thing get started. Yeah, but when it got into like the 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 pacing of the fight, this is some of the best lightsaber fighting we've seen since the prequel trilogy. Honestly, the live yeah. action, you know. Yeah. Animation, they've done wonders, but I mean, like in the live action space, like this is this is like Duel of the Fates almost, like that yeah, kind of a uh, episode. Well, like the prequel fights were very like acrobatic so high intense high energy the original trilogy stuff was like handled like they were 
two long swords going at each other, which made sense because of the you know cap- technical capabilities of the era. But and then like the sequels, I feel like tried to do this really awkward thing where it felt very like rough and almost like the, there was like more emotion than skill being used in, in, mm. in those fights. Which again, I think it kind of makes sense because it's a reflection of the fact that here are two individuals living in an era using weapons that are from a bygone era. It's, are you saying that because Ray's a girl and that she's emotional? Is that what no. <laughs> I think the most emotional out of those two was Kylo. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Ben? Yes. Dude was throwing a tantrum every three minutes. <laughs> Ray was definitely not the most emotional person in that in that in those sequences. All right. No, the record's going to re- reflect how how it really came out. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but yeah, th- this was a good, like, kind of balance of that, like, the, the high emotional stakes, but then also, like, the right level of acrobatics and stuff, which I got to think is, like, also, like, it's it would be hard to move around with those, like, ten, uh, you know, the... tendrils <laughs> hanging off of yeah. your face you know that that that's a lot of prosthetics there yeah i think they're being smart about how they make her move and and also kind of steering into that she's an older version of ahsoka and doesn't need to rely on you know pure athleticism in her moves and it can be more you know tactical in, in how she takes on these fights so i think it's also at the benefit of harder to make that you know, that whole headdress move um, but what about the kind of like the betrayal here of Sabine? <laughs> you want to talk through that? I love the way it was handled because they gave us just enough exposition of certain things. You know, like my biggest question in Mando season three was like, where's Ursa? You know, S- Sabine's mom. Why isn't she helping um, Bo-Katan? Well, now we know why, because she was one of the victims of the of the purge. And so was her brother and the rest of the family that we we get introduced to in Rebels. Um, And that gets established in a quick bit of dialogue in this. And the emotion from Natasha playing uh, Sabine. I feel like that was enough for me to be like, okay, cool. Like, you're you're still building on that lore without, like, having to give me an over-emotional flashback of Sabine and her family and all that. Like, that answers that question pretty quickly. Yep. It made sense because of that context, because it's like, oh, like you feel like Ezra's your only family left. I mean, yeah, it, it was kind of clear from the beginning too that that's how what, the route that she was going to go. Whether it came to like saving her friend or preventing Thrawn from coming in, she's always been that type of character since Rebels. It's just tough to take when it's like Ahsoka specifically asked you, like, are you okay with doing the right thing versus the easy thing? <laughs> Before we go into a fight, can I trust you? Like, should I be worried about? Like, she asked her like three different times. Like, you, Sabine, you can't keep brushing it off because when the moment comes, you got to be ready to take the shot. <laughs> I will. I will. Don't worry about it. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm then... good. I also can't find the the piece to my gun, which is sitting right on the table. Like, <laughs> what was that? Like, come on. We got all the hints. That that's how it yeah, was going right. to go, and, and it was also, it was like, enough foreshadowing to see that coming. Yeah. Yeah, and knowing her character from Rebels, I thought it was like I w- I would be disappointed if she did try to destroy it because then it would mean that this is a different Sabine than what they've established before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> definitely messed up that 
it didn't happen the way it did, but then it's like it's like that scene from Deadpool where uh uh where Weasel tells Deadpool to go talk to that guy because it could forward the plot. <laughs> that's yeah. exactly what happens. It's like that that that's the thing here. It's like, yes, but also the pl- we must continue the plot. Yeah. And I also don't want to I don't want to like people thinking that she's, you know, ignorant in what is actually gonna be happening here. Like it's obvious that if Ezra and Thrawn are there, Ezra and Sabine will be reunited, yes, but like in chains or locked up. Like I think she fully knows that, but she's like, I'll figure out that part of the plan later, right? I don't think she's anticipating that Malin is going to keep his word and make it like the the happiest version of it. Can I just say, I'm so glad we finally got to see the ghost in action to some degree. But I, I am glad that, like, and I think you called it before, what's like, Hera was going to disobey orders anyway, and just kind of show Yeah, up. I mean, come on. But, um, you know, Carson Tava shows up, which, you know, he's kind of become the connective tissue of all the Star Wars shows, right? He, I'm, I'm blanking a little bit, but he did show up in Book of Boba Fett, right, during the N1 Starfighter sequence. He might have been, yeah. It's so hard because it's like a single moment type of plot. Like he's he's obviously been in Mandalorian. He was in um, Andor as well. So yeah, it is nice to see like one familiar face come back. But it also is like, are we overdoing it with this one guy in this big galaxy? <laughs> I mean, he, we did see him chilling with Zeb in Mando season three. So it kind of made True. sense that to some degree he would have known Hera. So they would have been in association to some degree. Okay. No, that, that actually works. Yeah, I, I forgot that Zeb was there. Also, bring and, on... And Filoni was Zeb? there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Filoni was in that bar, too. That's true. That's true. Um, We got a little bit of a callback, I guess, right? To um, Last Jedi with that... Uh, Hold of a maneuvers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a one in a million shot. <laughs> Here's the two, two in the million. I know. It seems easier to just plow through people with at light speed. It was a bit heartwarming, though, to see Hera and her son on the on the deck of the ghost. Yeah, with Jason. Son basically being co-pilot over there. Yeah. I love Chopper being in this, too, because it's exactly yeah. like Rebels, where like you can kind of understand what he's saying <laughs> with his beeps. Yeah. Which is such a cool take for a droid, like... Make it a friendly, like, kind of sarcastic droid. A very violent droid. I don't know if you've seen the the compilations on YouTube. Oh, yeah. He's got, like, Vicious. a 10,000 kill streak or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do love seeing it back in action. I have a feeling we'll see a lot more of it since it's one of the few ships that kind of remain from that collision. That was brutal to watch, like, all those X-Wings yeah. go down. There, I think two survived out of that. Yeah. Carson being one of them, surprised. <laughs> um, but no, I, I guess this means some consequences also for for Hera, right? Because like she had to report back and be like, oh, by the way, I lost, I lost four pilots. Yeah. Then I feel like it's uh, I always get a uh, a quick little like um, flashback, I guess, to to, to Rebels because it, it's an interesting boxy looking ship. You know, not the best looking ship ever, but 
it's all yeah it it doesn't make sense that it would work but (laughs) it's the pilot not the machine you know all right final bits of this episode possibly the best part of this episode right uh ahsoka possibly dies from this cliff we're not it's not clear but she does end up at the end of this episode in the world between worlds which is another piece from star wars rebels so again maybe just watch that show if you keep putting it off but this is probably from the best arc or one of the top two arcs of that series um which is essentially just like these pathways that connect to different points in time really cool things could come out of this and we obviously see one thing come from this where anakin returns and is calling her by snips and this is friendly anakin not vader anakin seemingly (laughs) i know but then they throw in that ominous vader music yeah at the credits i watch it with the closed caption on just to kind of get any like yeah i did too vader theme yeah i was (laughs) like like, oh (laughs) all right you had to remind us that he's also dark we get it I mean, I'm I'm hoping it's Force Ghost Anakin, you know, like that. That's what I hope it is. But I mean, it could be. I, I kind of get that feeling. It is. And we're also seeing like the world between worlds. I feel like is the closest we're getting to time travel in in Star Wars, right? Because that's essentially what happens it, in, in Rebels. It is, yeah. So I mean, I honestly, I'm curious to see what they do with it. Like I said at the start of the show, I feel like there's um something big happening with it because of the like level of attention that's getting for uh you know having these like fan events across the country for it for early screenings um i'm I'm excited about the possibilities i mean i don't know what it means necessarily right i i do hope that it's just something where he's just showing up to help her get through her you know current issues (laughs) um but i do selfishly i want there to be a little bit more than that yeah, we they did obviously use the worlds between worlds, or Ezra did, to save Ahsoka from dying to Vader. So this is a nice parallel that it might be Anakin who is saving her this time. That's this kind of gets into like prediction-y realm for me, but I f- have a feeling that it's not so much just returning her to the planet, but more so like getting to this other um, galaxy that that they're trying to find Ezra at, right? I have a feeling that because that map is now totally destroyed from Balon's actions, like this might be the the best path to like totally like space travel, not just time travel. That's true. That is true. I didn't really think about that, but yeah, like how else is she gonna get coordinates to go to that planet? And also they have no means to get to it. Unless they use the whales. But that is also interesting, yeah, because they are part of this planet. Um, and I feel like you don't just show us that without, you know, using it later. Yeah, and they're definitely saving some CGI budget here for, for something down the line. So, um, honestly, like, I, I was excited to see Hayden Christensen back as Anakin here, which, you know, I How think... How feel they... about the CGI? So, okay, so there's two... There's two pieces to that. There's the de-aging factor, right? Because it's not all CGI. What I think it is, and again, interesting to kind of see next week and kind of see where they end that out, but I think this is the scene from, or some sort of outtake from the scene where he's uh, 
talking to Padme in her apartment during Revenge of the Sith. There's a subtle hmm. movement he does where he leans back, and I don't know why this is kind of clicking into my memory, but like he like leans back and smiles at her and tells her how much he loves her or something. This is before this is after the whole He says you're so bit. beautiful. And something like that. You're so in love with me. Come on, don't get yeah. after me with quotes, man. <laughs> <laughs> so you know Revenge of the Sith by heart, I see. <laughs> that was a pivotal movie for me. <laughs> but I, I'm pretty sure they took some sort of outtake from that scene cut it and then de-aged that footage because that's what it looks like like it looks too much like that for it to not be the case um so i'm interested to see if they brought back hayden christensen besides just to for him to do the voice maybe he is there physically i hope so but you know i don't know um i i would if if next week gives us a clone wars flashback or some sort of like Revenge of the Sith flashback or something with Ahsoka, like Revenge of the Sith time flashback. That would do it for me. I'd be like, this is one of the things I would I would love to ask. If it doesn't give me that, fine. I don't really care. But it's just on my wish list of things that I I you know it'd just be a cool little geek moment. I think they could also go down the path of like revisiting her past where she intentionally said in this episode, I'm not here to talk about my past and like actually get some closure about her leaving Anakin where we, the fans knew it was because she saw the hypocrisy of the order, but Anakin in that moment felt that it was a betrayal. So I think this could be a little bit of like maybe closure for her clearing, you know, the air there. Yeah. She might need to see something within the world between worlds to kind of finally solidify the fact that like she wasn't ever going to be able to stop him from, doing what he did um kind of like a visual or, or a reinforcement of the visuals that we've seen before which is ahsoka takes off one piece of vader's mask obi-wan takes off another piece but it's only luke that eventually is the one that uh you know is able to take that entire helmet off that's metaphorically point. i never really realized that obi-wan got it as well so yeah that's a that's a great point yeah, yeah, it just like it was nobody was ever going to be able to help Anakin in the way that he needed it, besides maybe Qui Gon. But look at us go, man. We're making yeah cross generational connections. Hire us for the next, <laughs> we're just like Filoni, put a cowboy hat on us. <laughs> let me let me get my straw hat real quick. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited for next week, man. And this honestly, this show continues to surprise me. Um, there's a lot that I've loved about it. I'm sad that other people are not liking it as much, but I mean, you know, it, this this feels like a treat for the fans. And so, if you've been into Star Wars all this time and you've been watching all this stuff, you're eating right now. You know, this is this is a meal. <laughs> Wash it down with some blue milk, maybe. Yeah, or or green milk directly from the teat of that animal. Oh, no, don't. <laughs> that shouldn't have happened. <laughs> yeah i think we'll you know we'll be back for episode five it promises to be a pretty big one so let's uh let's see what they got next week i'm staying off social media beginning friday yeah no you cannot <laughs> tempt it i i do not want to know a single thing until nine o'clock on tuesday next week but i'm excited man i'm excited we'll be here to talk about it and yeah um hopefully until it then to deliver. thanks for listening thanks for listening <laughs>